Welcome to the Manuscript Academy podcast, brought to you by a writer and an agent who both believe that education is key, the beauty is the people you meet along the way, and that community makes all the difference. Here at the Manuscript Academy, you can learn the skills, make the connections, and have access to experts, all from home. I'm Julie Kingsley, and I'm Jessica Zinsimon. Put down your pens, pause your word counts, and enjoy. Hi, everyone. We have such an exciting episode today. We are so thrilled to tell you this incredible story. We've got author Ambika Vora and John Cobb, her agent at HG Literary, and all kinds of amazing things happened. We've known Ambika a while. We are so proud to hear how well everything is going. Ambika, can you tell us where you were? You were querying a bunch of people. You were getting a lot of responses. What did you learn in that process that writers can take with them now in the submission process? So I think for me, one of the most important takeaways was be open to feedback and don't be emotional about it. So for me personally, I grew up on kind of high fantasy and epic fantasy, but it was mostly adult fantasy. So like my favorite book is The Silmarillion by J.R.R. Tolkien. And I love like Song of Ice and Fire, Wheel of Time, like recently like Mistborn. And I was trying to write young adult fantasy. And I read a lot of young adult like Japanese manga, but I wasn't super familiar with the genre when I started writing. I thought I was doing a great job and I didn't have any feedback at the time. So when I came to Manuscript Academy and started getting feedback, they bought to like this really glaring and obvious issue, which like was mind-blowing but should have been obvious to me which was that your themes and plot and characters work for YA but your tone and your voice and your penchant for exposition is very adult so firstly you need to figure out what genre you're writing in because right now you're just a little bit confused so I know that seems like a really obvious lesson don't try to write like a young adult with an adult tone or like a middle grade with a young adult tone so that was the first thing. And I realized that most of what I was trying to maybe on a subconscious level emulate was adult fantasy. I think The Silmarillion is the epitome of like beautiful prose and writing. But some people do say it reads a little bit like a history book and that YA needs to be more in the moment and you need to get in the character's head. So I realized that I need to do a lot of rework and make this actually read as a YA. And then the second thing kind of along the same lines was I was told that I need to get to know my characters more, their thoughts and feelings, and like they should be having visceral reactions to things. And through the writing, you should experience that. This was really challenging to me because I like to keep that element of mystery and have stoic characters who unravel as you read. But why it took a different approach, and I think the reason it took me so long to get an agent was because it took me a really long time to know my characters and feel like, okay, these are like my best friends and I know them well enough to write about them. So that relationship between an author and your character, like any relationship, I think develops with time. I take a really long time to get close to people. I needed that time to just get to know them until I was able to write them successfully. John, from your perspective, you jumped in later when all of this had already happened. Did you know that she'd done any of that editing? I was unaware of the long journey Ambika had taken to my inbox. When she came to me, it was through a regular query. She sent me an email about her book and told me about the world she created and the characters that populated it and 
from there, I was instantly transported by her description and wanted to know more. I had no idea about the kind of long process that had she taken to get up to that point. In retrospect, like kind of that work is very clear in the draft that I've read. Like the world was very meticulously laid out. I feel like the characters were very well drawn, even in the draft that I've read. So it does not surprise me to hear in retrospect that she had put a lot of work into it, as she always does. So tell us the story. How did you find each other? So this is probably not amazing advice, but for me, I think it's because I'm in this like corporate culture where like we have like rapid fire emails happening. So when I filtered for agents on Query Tracker, I filtered by response times, which I would not recommend. This is not how you're supposed to do it, but it's how I did it. And John was one of the agents on the first page who showed up. And Obviously, I researched my agents, but in John's case, there wasn't much about him online. So I actually had no idea if our tastes would match, but he had really quick response time. So I was like, I'm just going to shoot it to him, which again, it's just so weird. All of this ends up working out. I had pitched my novel using this Japanese manga Naruto, which I just absolutely adore. Oh, Valentina, you're smiling. Yes, no, I know it. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to take a second here to just gush about Naruto. Kishimoto Sensei has created such an immersive world. The hard magic system is one of the most well-defined and complex I've ever seen. It spans generations and it has all these characters and backstories and it's just so beautiful and poignant and inspiring. So I really wanted a literary agent who had read Naruto. And I know this is like a really strange criteria. And most of them, I think, hadn't. It was relatively few who were familiar with it. And then John actually replied to my query asking for, I think it was a partial, and saying that he loved Naruto. So in my mind, because I had received multiple partials and pulls at the time. So in my head, I was like, okay, this is my agent. It clicked for me. But what actually happened is he read the partial and he requested the full. And then when he read the full, he actually gave me a revise and a resubmit. So I did not initially get my offer at the time. But I was pretty sure again because of this Naruto like connection. I was like, no, it's him. He gets it. And actually when he gave the revise and resubmit, there was so much amazing feedback. Usually when you're told that you need to substantially rewrite your novel, depending on the feedback, that's like a tedious thing. But his feedback got me so excited. There were so many points where I was like, yes, exactly. This is what I wanted to say, let's say in book two or book three, but I just hadn't written it in book one. It seemed amazing that he was able to predict those things. Or I was like, oh my God, you're solving this problem or this plot hole that I've been agonizing about and you've just figured it out for me. So how we did it was John first asked me for an outline based on what would be in each chapter. And then once he said, okay, this is great, let's go with this. That's when I started writing. And I'd only written a third of the novel. It was only act one when I actually got the offer from him. So I didn't actually have a completed novel when I got my offer, which is strange, but also exciting. So I spent the next couple of weeks like just blazing through it and finishing it. But I think the great part was even before I actually decided to sign with John or even got the offer, it already felt like he was my agent because we were in touch, I think, almost every single day talking about things and we would exchange all these references about Sanderson and Naruto and all of our fandoms overlap. So in my head, I was like, if I get an offer from this person, I am 100% siding with them. And John actually gave me a period of time. I was like, no, I don't need time. Send me the contract. I'm siding with you. So yeah, that's how it Oh happened. my God, that is the sweetest thing I have ever heard. <laughs> 
record. It's yeah, like, it was so it's why it met. It was so serendipitous when I read her query and she started talking about, you know, her favorite manga, her favorite anime. And I was like, I know exactly what you're talking about. This is a match made in half. I realized I need to start gushing more about my nerdy interests online to get more of those sort of <laughs> connections. Yeah, absolutely. And if anyone out there is thinking, oh my gosh, I need an agent who likes this other book or this other movie because it's my perfect comp. You can always go to Google Twitter advanced search, search for tweets from that agent's tag and type in whatever movie or book you are hoping. I actually learned that strategy from Manuscript Academy, I think, about like how to find agents on Twitter and that exact thing. I did that. There were like maybe two who ever tweeted about Naruto and they were both at the time either close to queries or not interested in my genre. I'm going to start tweeting. Ambik and I are talking about this. We both need to start tweeting. I'm a little scared of Twitter, specifically publishing Twitter, but also Twitter in general. I'm definitely going to, because of just this great experience, to get my interests out there a little bit more. Yes, please. Twitter character. Twitter is a crazy place to be, but honestly, that's how people find their agents because it's so personal. It's so much about taste. And half the time when people are like, oh my God, my book is this and this, but I can't say it's this and this because nobody will know what I'm talking about. So now I have to find something else, but it's not the true connection that you want to have. Yes, please yeah. get on Twitter more, John. Us agents and editors as well to inform all of the talented authors out there about what they're looking for and what kind of person they are. Because I understand just looking at an agency's website, the entire process can seem so opaque and so monolithic. Social media is a great way to humanize yourself as a person and find those authors who connect in that very special way. John, do you remember your first impressions of Ambika's work? Yes, I do. Straight from the query letter, to say nothing of the writing itself, it struck me how well-constructed her world is and how unique. Fantasy, especially YA fantasy, is a very crowded field. It's very hard to stand out. And one of the ways that you can do so is by creating a world with conceit that feels very fresh and that I haven't seen before. Ambika had that. She had it in spades. And that's something that I tend to gravitate towards as an agent, fantasy worlds that feel unique and not done before. Often, but not always, that correlates with sort of cultural influence that is not Western. And I think Ambika really embodied that in her work. How many queries did you actually send out before you got to John? I was querying for five years and I had multiple revisions. So the draft I sent to John was my sixth draft. I also had two shelved novels. All of that, I think I maybe had 150 plus rejections before I landed my agent, something along those lines. And I think 99% of them were like either just form rejections or close no response. There was one agent who actually gave me fabulous feedback. A couple were praising the writing, but they were just not feeling it. The sixth draft that I queried had a much higher response rate. I think at that point I had sent out 20 and I had gotten maybe two rejections, eight fulls or partials, and then 10 I was waiting for the response. So there was definitely an increase, I think, over time in how successful my query was. That's great. And I think that's so helpful too. Just because you get rejections doesn't mean it's not going to work out. If you're out there and you've sent 150 queries, you could 
be the next Ambika. It could work out. Yeah, don't give up. There's this quote in Naruto. The English version would be, the important thing is the guts to never give up. I have the Japanese version of it engraved on my iPad. And after I had a round of unsuccessful queries, I would just play this like Naruto episode to myself and like sob and be like, okay, if Naruto could go 15 years before he fulfilled his goal and he was getting all this hatred and he was getting no support, but he still persevered, like I can do this. So that was definitely very inspirational. There's also this interview, Brandon Sanderson, who is one of my favorite authors of more recent fantasy. And he said that he, I think, wrote 13 or 14 novels before he finally got published. And now he is like one of the top fantasy authors. I really respect him. There was just so much inspiration around me from these people who I look up to. So I would always turn to that. So any author who gets rejection, it's probably a good thing. Sometimes when I'm feeling particularly masochistic, I read my original query letter and sometimes they make me cringe. There was a huge change in the drafts and the revisions. Like my original manuscript, now when I look at it, I'm thinking to myself, thank God I did not get an agent for this. If this somehow had gotten published, I don't think I would be happy with it right now. So at the time, you always feel this is the best thing I could have ever written. But I think after time passes, you realize that as you grow as an author, it can only get better. Your work will only get better from there. So it's not bad. Can you tell us a little bit about the editorial changes you made? I know you talked about YA versus adult, but what kind of things did you do to your query letter? Because it sounds like whatever you did really turned everything around. Yeah. So talking about the query letter, I did have to change my comps. I think with John's specific case, it didn't make a difference because he knew my original comps, but definitely a lot of the agents I was getting goals from, I had completely different comps. So there was that. I think the query letter was not so much the problem as the pages. I think the query letter, it was decent at marketing and it was doing a fair enough job. It was more about the pages. I had a lot of exposition. Definitely, they say that you need to feel what the character is feeling and really have this connection with them in the first few pages. I was not able to do that partially because I was not able to connect to the character. I didn't want to connect to the character in the first few pages. I wanted it to take a while. So that was something else. In the actual revision that we sent between, because again, I got the offer from John when I had only a third of a manuscript and like an outline. So probably the most substantial revision was we had two points of view. And I actually added a complete different third one. And I think John was quite tentative about this when I suggested it. It was indeed. Yeah. The third character I added actually ended up being both a favorite character. Very true. There were these two other characters who were point of view characters and they came in like a couple of times and I just completely chopped them. One of them may make a reappearance in book two. So we got a count of queries. Do you have a count of darlings killed? I would say five main POE characters that were completely shelved. So John, in terms of an author who's willing to and able to do editorial work, it sounds like you hit the jackpot here. Did you know going in that she was like, yes, on it, we'll do, we'll hit it out of the park? I did hit something like a jackpot. Yeah. What I asked Ambika to do is revise the manuscript that she sent to me and basically write it again, which is a huge ask. Every agent understands that, which is why we don't ask very often. I did have a sense that she would be capable of and willing to do it, which is part of why you ask in the first place. One of the goals of asking for a revision like that is to prove that the author is capable of doing the work necessary to get it there. And like Ambika said, our revision process was a little different in that we didn't require a full revision to start working together. 
I think I had a sense based on what she wrote in our discussions before then that if she got a certain distance down that path, like I would be able to help her the rest of the path, which is why I created a very unique, specific sort of revision regimen for her, which is not standard at all. But it worked. This is going to sound a bit strange, but had I met John maybe three or four years ago and gotten this feedback, I might have been a bit intimidated by it. But I work in management consulting, so it's a client-based corporate culture. So I slobbed over the revisions. And then I realized a week later that the chapters were incidentally better. So I was in the habit of constantly asking for feedback and trying to improve myself. And then once I started applying that to my book, I thought that it made a huge difference. I never thought I would say this sentence, but I'm super thankful to management consulting. (laughs) I know. Land, my agent. John, were you nervous to ask for such a big change? No, no, I wasn't nervous. I think just based on a lot of our interactions, I suspected that she would be amenable to a lot of the changes I was asking for. Something that I try to do with revisions, especially for Ambika, is in my revision advice, give a couple of major sort of general polls that I want the author to follow, but give them a lot of freedom within those polls to figure out how they want to navigate that space. I feel like that produces better results than giving them like a strict instruction manual of, no, this is what the book should look like. Even if I have a very specific image in my head, giving the author freedom to paint their own image will often produce better results. Ambika, for example, she said, I was very nervous about adding a third viewpoint character. That was not in my vision, but I said, you know what? I'll let her go with it. I think she knows what she's doing. And by giving her that freedom, like she produced a character. It's everyone's favorite. He's the guy. And I think that for me, it was the right path. What advice do you have for writers who get revise and resubmits? And what does it mean when you get one? Yeah, sure. My core advice would be to take it seriously. Ambika said the vast majority of responses she got back from queries were passes. And not even substantive passes, just forum passes. Just cut and paste emails that they just add your name and the title. Not to make agents seem holier than thou beaming down their advice from the sky. But when an agent takes the time out of their day to write like a substantive letter and give you detailed feedback about what they want your revision to look like, they're not just doing that out of courtesy. Uh, They're doing it because they want you to come back in a couple of months and say, I did what you asked. Can you read it again, please? So yeah, take it very seriously and consider all the advice they give. Even if you don't agree with all of it, at least absorb it and take it in and see how it lands with you. Can you both describe what you think it takes to have an effective working author-agent relationship? So one of the things is definitely be receptive to feedback. And also, if you disagree with feedback, that's okay. But know how to respond to that in a constructive way. So that's point number one. Point number two is I think different people have different working styles. And I'm not saying that this is a must, but there's less friction if you find an agent who has a similar working style and establish these kind of boundaries up front. So what I mean by that is, for example, I live in Japan, so we knew that time zones were going to be hell. So I was like, hey, John, are there any times you feel uncomfortable with me mailing you or vice versa? And we were both like, it's fine. You can email 24-7 and we'll respond whenever we do. We both have this habit, which I don't think everyone necessarily has, but we respond through an email the moment we get it. And even if we can't respond in full, it's, hey, thanks for your email. Acknowledge. I'll get back to you by this date and time. And again, not everyone works like this, but we both do. It is great because for me, quick communication is key. For some people, it might be less important. They might like being given some time to kind of think by themselves and not have rapid fire communication. That can be stressful. 
But definitely try to be transparent about these things up front. This is how I like my feedback. So I was like, you know what, John? I'm not going to be offended by anything you say. So just lay it on me. Be brutal. He never was. He was always very nice, but that's me. So definitely establish these boundaries in your working relationship, any professional relationship really upfront on, you know, communication, feedback, how quickly expect or should expect responses. And then once you set your expectations, I think things go very smoothly from there. I was also very lucky in that I think our personality types just matched. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I definitely like to co-sign everything Ambika just said. When you get on that first call with an agent who wants to offer representation to you, I think the inclination is to be thrilled with just any agent is talking to you. Like, oh my God, thank goodness it's been so long. But the purpose of those early communications are to establish the agent's sort of communication style, their editorial style, their vision gels with yours. You need to determine what those styles are and what sort of integration it has with your expectations. Like I said, we have similar communication styles. We think of a lot of the same references editorially, so it was a good match. But if we got on that call and it just wasn't a good match, if I said, oh, I respond to emails after a week, like it would have been not a great sign because it's not what Ambika would have been comfortable with. So definitely don't be starstruck just by talking to an agent. You need to ask the very specific questions to make sure that you're talking to the right agent for you. I think I was also lucky that we had like a test run. When we eventually had that conversation, it's like we already knew each other and kind of knew what each other's style was. That's not how it's going to be every time, but I was lucky in our case that we had the whole revision process to jump off of. So do you have any tips for writers who are in other countries and afraid of approaching American agents or worried about the time zone? What have you learned along the way? So for me, I think one of the challenges actually being in Japan was I was finding it very hard to find someone who I could share my work with for feedback. So most of my friends and family here are not native English speakers. And of course, I have tons of friends abroad who are, but it just felt weird, like suddenly reaching out over email, being like, hey, can you better read this? And this was probably my own issue more than anything. I think I also had a lack of confidence that I had something worth someone spending their time on. So even if you're not able to find resources around you or in the country you're in, I think it would be good to, I don't mean to promote Manuscript Academy, but I definitely think this was one of the turning points for me where I found agents and people who were able to give me both encouragement and validation to an extent, but also really amazing feedback. So definitely don't be afraid. And I think coronavirus definitely propelled this, that we have a lot more of this stuff being offered online, whereas previously you need to be there, you know, physically in person. So it really transcends all these global boundaries and really enables anyone anywhere in the world to get feedback, to meet with agents, to meet other readers potentially. So definitely capitalize on that. That would be my feedback. I think the other problem is I don't find out about the popular books nowadays. I find out about the manga, of course, and I would buy those. But if I go to a bookstore, there's almost no English titles. So if you're facing that problem, you can use the internet and all of these social platforms to actually get yourself the information that you might not be able to get organically or otherwise living in a potentially not native English speaking country. So that would be my advice. And John, what are you looking for in your inbox these days? That's a good question. So I am a huge fantasy and sci-fi nerd, which I feel has been established well already. So I'm always receptive to genre stories that feel fresh, unique, and exciting, especially if authors come from diverse backgrounds that always gets me excited. And that goes for adult writing and children writing equally. I'm a huge fan of spy thriller. I really love the next James Bond, but 
Black or James Bond of Queen. I spent lunch every day at high school in the library reading Robert Ludlow or Talk Clancy because I didn't have any friends in high school. So reading is what I did all through high school. So I think that informed the framework for me evaluating works of fiction. I'm also looking for contemporary works in children's fiction, anything from the like sensitive literary work to laugh out loud rom-coms, anything in between. My tastes are pretty diverse. What do you do when you're not working? Before the pandemic, I used to be a pretty avid 5K runner. I think my New Year's resolution back in 2020, if you remember the distant year of 2020, it was to run a 5K race with a sub 20 minute time. And then the pandemic happened. <laughs> so I think I'm going to have to train myself up from couch potato again. So I do a lot of reading, as you might expect from an agent. I play more video games than I should. <laughs> So if anyone wants to comp uh, a book to a video game that in addition to anime, that will land very well. And I'm still a collector and builder of Legos ever since I was a kid. I love Legos. There's a Lego train running around my childhood bedroom. Uh, and my parents thought I was going to be an engineer until I told them I very much was not. Oh, wow. I know your parents are like, rats. Oh, that's adorable. Ambika, I know you're really focused on high fantasy. Are there any other genres that you might want to go into one day? This is something that even my mother has told me that you need to expand your horizons. You're like always living in a fantasy world. I'm trying to think of my favorite non-high fantasy genre, and it's this other manga called Death Note. So it's modern fantasy with a magical item, but it's quite realistic. So I guess something set in the modern world, but has fantastical elements. That's not the most diverse answer. For me, reading is an escape. My academic and professional careers have been a bit stressful at times. So I just like to read things that are so disconnected from our reality. Looking at my bookshelf in front of me, and it's George R. R. Martin, Philip Pullman, Tolkien, Robert Jordan, Brandon Sanderson. There's Narnia. I can't find anything that's not fantasy. Here. Oh, wow. But maybe that'll change in the future. I worked a lot in digital transformation and a little bit with tech consulting. So I don't know, maybe a little bit more on the sci-fi side. And if I'm able to use that knowledge and leverage it somehow in my book, we shall see. Keep us posted. I'm nosy. I want to know all. <laughs> yeah, we're so excited for you. So what I love is that you've gone from 150 rejections, most of them forms, to getting an amazing agent. And I believe you have a little bit more good news. Yeah, yeah. It's been a real whirlwind. Like you said, she went from a lot of rejections to having a really good team bite her back. After a very quick and very exciting submission of her story. We ended up selling it to a major U.S. publisher just a few weeks ago. The ink is still wet on the contract, so we can't say that much yet, but we're very excited where it landed and also excited to tell people more as soon as we can. Oh my goodness, I'm so happy for you. This is amazing news. Just amazing. That just shows you the power of perseverance and not giving up on yourself and your dreams and having the confidence to just keep going no matter how many no's you get because you feel so strongly about your story. Right. And we're so proud of you. That is so cool. Thank you so much. And one thing I do want to say is I emailed Samantha, for instance, and Jessica when it happened. But there were a lot of people here who I think helped me and encourage me along the way after which, because, you know, five years, it's lonely. It gets tough. Just don't give up. And 
Sometimes it might take you ages to land an agent, but then you might get an editor really quickly. You never know. There's a journey you have to take. There's time you have to spend, but you don't know how it's, you know, going to all pan out eventually. So I think just like in Ambika's case, all it takes is one yes. And that yes can follow 150 no's. So I would tell authors to not be discouraged by a couple of rejections, even a exorbitant amount of rejections. It doesn't mean that you should ignore feedback or be unreceptive to criticism, but there's always a path to get published, uh, even if it's not apparent to you at the time. It might take a while, but it's definitely possible. So where can people find you online? Yeah, Twitter still terrifies me slightly, so I'm not active there, but I do have an Instagram, A2Vora. I would really appreciate if you follow me. For the next few weeks, I won't be posting too much about my book because we're waiting for the ink to dry, but I'm actually posting a lot about my favorite books and manga and just the things that inspire me. And then slowly I will start promoting my book. I don't really have many author friends. I would love to make author friends. John, where can we find you online? Sure. You can find me on Twitter at Jonathan E. Cobb. Yes. And he's going to start putting out the things that he likes more and sharing more on Twitter so that yeah, all of the everybody ones... about what video games I'm playing. Yes. About what achievements I'm getting, like my favorite manga. Yeah, oh. Let the people know so that they know <sighs> what you like so that they can <laughs> adequately query you. Do you play any of the games that people could play with you online? Like you could have an author night. No, I'm a single player dork. I only play story games. Oh, no. <laughs> dreams crushed but story games would make very good queries i feel mm-hmm. like because they have this whole fantasy setting of characters that'd be fun thank you so much for joining us we're so happy for you it's so nice to see good things happening for good people thank you so, so much. happy please come back thank when you. your book is out so we can talk more about it specifically without spoiling it i would love to come back yeah thank you thank you so much for the opportunity we are so glad that you joined us and as always we appreciate your feedback just head on over to the iTunes store and let us know what you think. It not only helps us make this podcast be the best it can be, but it also affects our ratings within the iTunes platform. We'd love to hear from you. If you're feeling brave and want to submit your page for our First Pages podcast, you can send it to academy at manuscriptwishlist.com with First Pages podcast in the subject line. We'd also just love to hear from you. And if you'd like to learn more about the Manuscript Academy and everything we have to offer, just jump on over to manuscriptacademy.com.